Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the podcast. Um, this week I've been out and about for the first time um, recording a couple of episodes um, with my first couple of guests. Um, obviously the, the first podcast I did a couple of years ago with my dad was you know, back in uh, during lockdown so this was my first time getting out um, and when I first was putting this idea together I sort of put a bit of a wish list um, together of sort of people that I would love to get out and you know talk to and have uh, as guests and one of the first people that I actually had on that list was Eamon Lochran. Um, Eamon uh, was a former WBO world champion and was around the same time that my dad boxed um, and I was actually there that night that he won the world title in the King's Hall supporting my dad on the undercard and he's someone that I always followed and now as a boxing fan looking back on his career I've always really enjoyed looking at um, you know some of the fights that he's had so I contacted Eamon um, and he was so helpful as soon as I contacted him um, and told him what I was wanting to do um, he was, you know, straight away got back to me and said, you know, he loved the idea and be more than happy to do it. Um, he very kindly invited me to his home in Ballymena, um, and we spent quite a few hours together, you know, chatting and obviously recording the podcast. And he showed me around his lovely home and, you know, his belts and stuff. So it was absolutely fantastic, and I can't thank him enough for, you know, uh, you know, treat me so well. So, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, first of all put out part one of the podcast. Because it's quite a long one and I wanted to put it in uh, two sections. Part one is going to focus on the amateur career of Eamon. Um, and then looking at um, him turning pro with Barney Eastwood and the fights that he had there. And then eventually moving to the Barry Hearn stable in Romford in England. Um, and I'll just talk about that journey through. And then I'll be releasing part two over the next week or two. So I hope you really enjoy uh, part one everyone. Okay Eamon, so um, thanks very much for having me up today. Um, I really, really, really appreciate yes. you giving me up your time. Um, so what I want to just start off with Eamon is just maybe tell us a little bit about growing up in Ballymena and how you eventually get started into your boxing. Uh, I started as a young lad about six or seven years of age. So it was uh, in those days, six or seven years of age, you could have run about the streets and your house was open, your doors were open and you run about older ways. I grew up in a state called the Derry Road, so it would have been the end of the town. And uh, those older lads who were going across to the boxing club at that time, and I, I downered along across with them, so I did. And, uh, so from about seven years of age, I'd been involved with All Saints Amateur Boxing Club, so it was. And, uh, but there was a great history there. My father was involved, and Father, Dar- Father Alec Dara was the priest that started it, so it was. And what would say me? So there was tradition within my family of boxing yeah. and coaching and things like that there. And uh, so I, I just went across with the older boys from the Derry Road and sort of kicked in from there. So it did. And instantly when you did the boxing, did you find that you had that bit of a talent? How long did it take for you to realise that quite good at Even at seven or eight years age, I didn't know. I was just getting in and, and it was, uh, Mungle Shimmy was kind of the main man in the, the club at that time. So he was, and he was, he would have been the guy, right, coming up and here, and he would have put me in the ring to spar with guys maybe 10, 11, that wee bit older than me, whatever. And I, I was getting, so I didn't feel as though at any time I was getting beat up. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> but it hardens you? <laughs> <laughs> I hardened me, and I used to say, I used to say to my Uncle Simon, I used to say, you're my Uncle Simon, why are you getting me, why didn't you put me in with somebody more than age yeah. or whatever, and not there? Give me, let me beat somebody else. <laughs> but uh, looking back, he was learning me. Of course, so it was yeah. uh, that we hiding didn't do me any harm, so it didn't toughen me up. Yeah. So it did. And then when I got to the age of 10 or 11, uh, and was getting into championships at 11 years of age, I think it's, you start the championships, uh, I was exceptionally strong for yeah. my age. And 
I had three or four years of experience of, oh, this is, you know, the kids are 10 or 11 now. When I first entered uh, my county Antrim Championships and the Ulster Championships in all Ireland, for the first two or three years, I was stopping most of the kids. Is that right? Yeah. Because so you were used to being in one wee bit older. I'd be about older, 12 or 13 years of age, when I was 10 or 11, whatever. You know, so, uh, not that they were that much better than me, it was just the fact that they were bigger and stronger and I just built my strength up so it did. Yeah. He had seen that, so he did. Uh, I don't, at that age, I don't know whether I had a tongue or not, but I, I seem to love it. And I remember getting beat up, particularly on occasion, and coming out of the ring and throwing the gloves down and saying to my uncle, Sammy, you're supposed to look after me. Yeah. I'm, I'm going home and I'm telling my dad. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> and he was says, right, get out of here now, you know, maybe get you out. And I said it from the back of the hall where, yeah. I, could, where I could have run. And uh, so he would have, he had a, he says, don't be back here, get you out and don't be back. And then within a night or two, I was back again and I says, right, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, for cheating, being cheeky to you and whatever. And he says, right, you behave. And then the next thing or two, he would have had me train again and then he would have had me in sparring again. And yeah. oh, I got used to that type of thing, so I did, you know. And uh, and that's where, that's kind of where it started from. I, I must have had a great love for it. Yeah. So I must have, and uh, I continued on, so I did. And you say when you, you first entered your first championships around 11 years ago, did you instantly have success where you were winning titles pretty much in the get Well, I had, I had, a, I had 20, 30 fights under my belt before he even entered them. So just had, club shows? Just three club like, shows yeah. where you had been taken across to Ballyclare and you'd have fought Todd's or one of them boys there and they would have been over here fighting us. And in those days, it was there was club shows every week. Yeah. Uh, Sega Hart would have been down. They would have the Holy Family up and down and that was the way it was in them days. It was just the bus would have landed down on yeah. Sunday. The all Saints must have had a good connection with different clubs then. That was we had a great club, and, and we had a great... And, one of the clubs we did have a great camaraderie with was the Sacred Heart. Yeah. So it was, there was rivalry there. Yeah. So it was. Tell us a wee bit about that then. So you uh, actually went down into the Sacred Heart and sparred. We, and we went down into the Sacred Heart. I boxed in the Sacred Heart two or three times. Um, I actually boxed in uncle years when I was thinking about it down in there. Hey, Patrick? Patrick. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember all that. I remember Eamon Maguire, mm -hmm. who would have been a good coach. And you had Ian McGee and you had Noel and you had. Uh, the older brother yeah, again, Terry, yeah. Terry. So you had Eamon McCauley and McNaughton, uh, Mc, uh, McNaughton's, is it? From um, McNally's, or McNally's, uh, McNulty's, I think it is, yeah. uh, There was loads of good talent from, from uh, and we had, we had uh, when we weighed in for the County Antlers, and the Second Heart weighed in, there was a rivalry there. Uh, some of our guys would have been the same weight as them, right. and we'd have fought, my brother Patrick fought a couple of guys from the Second Heart, and, I think John McAleese and David Elliott. All right. Uh, and then there was obviously Eamon, so there wasn't, there was myself. We were different ages and different weights, but we headed to Dublin together mm -hmm. and we would have stayed in the same house. So we were, uh, or thereabouts and headed down to the stadium together because my father had a great relationship with uh, Eamon Maguire at that right. time. Outside boxing. Oh, great, okay. Uh, and and uh, boxing was there. They both loved the boxing and, the, and training the kids, which was us. And outside it they were very anti Eamon was anti all that Irish art and yeah he, 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 he made that. some of the instruments the, the borons, and borons that's right yes and my father was into all that sort of stuff oh, too they, so there's a great there's a great friendship there so when they went to Dublin and things like that together plus the fact that 
Ian Maguire was a great coach. Yeah, no, so he was. Yeah, yeah. He was a fantastic coach from the Sega Heart. A real, he came from a great boxing family, and was, he was a great man for the Sega Heart too. Yeah, I mean, no. Patsy McAllister too. That's right, Patsy McCann and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah so was, so they had a great. And my uncle Shimmy and my father and guys like Tony McAvoy mm-hmm. and Harry McEwanan. It's just, and the thing was boxing, it was a boxing thing too, we bonded well. Yeah, so it was great, you know, from Balmain and Belfast, you know, ah, it's, it's great to have and, that and sometimes, sometimes you can have a, you can have a camaraderie with Sega Heart and maybe Holy Trinity or somewhere like that, but we had it with the Sega Heart, so yeah. we had, that was our yeah. all sense and the Sega Heart was Darren Corbett, mm-hmm. Corbett, spoke to Corbett Brothers, and there's a number of other lads, I can't really remember their names now, that got, because they'd only probably done one or two All-Irelands. Yeah. But, it was always great, so it was, you know, been down there. Yeah. As a kid from the Sega Heart, my brother Patrick fought two or three times, and he was very good too. I think he won a couple of All-Irelands. Is that right? So there okay. was, you right. know, but didn't continue on a senior level, so he didn't yeah. junior level, you know. So it was great, great times. So it was uh, training together and going down together. And, and Eamon would have taught me uh, on the pads and training and, you know, would have... You know, when his guys were saying, right, up this morning, you would have done a session before you went to get weighed in. And yeah. That was, you know, he was probably the coach, you know, and he had a great knowledge. So That's brilliant, yeah. No, yeah, I think I've seen in an interview you did before, one time you said about, you know, your dad was very good at taking you to mm-hmm. other gyms, ah. sort of, you know what I mean, just to get the other experience as well. And that was, that was especially for, for me when I had had about 14 years of age. So it was, I was 13 or 14. There was nobody really for me to spar with in Balamina. So... I had to go to places like the Ring and Derry, Roy Nash, I was sparring with him, and, uh, and there was a guy, McKenna, who was Ulster Senior Champion, and Belfast, so was, I was sparring with him, and up into the Holy, Holy Family and the Holy Trinity, Holy Family was one, yeah. and, there, and I went, so I, I had a lot of, there was nobody, the kid, all the guys that were coming after me, John McAleese and Paddy and boys like that there, they had all each other to spar with, yeah. I was sort of, I was too, I, I was too much for them at that time. Yeah, plus the fact I was older, and uh, stronger, so I needed to go and spar with the, the boys in Belfast. So mentally, to you know that that makes you mentally strong. I'm sure you're going into all these different gyms, and you're you're walking in there and sort of right, who's this coming in, and you yeah. you know, so I'm sure that's and, and puts and you in really good stead. It puts you in good stead too because they want to, they want to put a mark on you so they do. Yeah. And, and you're going up there thinking to yourself, I'm not going to let them. And of I'm course. Try and make a name here, especially somewhere like the Holy Family or somewhere like that there, uh, where they had, they had all the good champions at that time. Yeah. And amateur boxing, so they had. And uh, that was a great, that was great experiences up in there. So it was, you know, so. Uh, but from about 11 years of age, right through to 16, I would say, I had a great amateur record, so I had I think I was sitting thinking there the other day. I had a hundred and I think I was in around hundred and thirty-nine amateur contests. Really? Uh, all together, and I only lost four times. So that yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, because uh, when we get on to you yeah. know, you weren't actually amateur that long, especially mm-hmm. senior level. We're going to get to that. Oh, so to have, when that amount of fights, only lose four times. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And that that was great, you know. Too, I know I had a great, even though it wasn't. I didn't stay a long time at, at senior. I boxed on numerous senior internationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was all, everything was pushed away in it. I didn't have much of a break. So then I remember one year in particular, I think it was my last year in amateur boxing, somewhere in the region of 27 fights. Wow. So I had, and I remember one in the under 19s and one in the intermediates. 
and one in the youth the all Ireland's within one year just over a year yeah that's fantastic you know, three in one year that's probably amazing. 18 months uh, and won the all Ireland's so I had and uh, so and then after that or, uh, they couldn't not pick me for the world under 19s yeah so they couldn't uh, I was probably the youngest on the team yeah because actually, I, I was I seen a wee clip, um, which I don't know if you've even seen it on BBC um, website, no, and it's it's you and Ray close, and he's like an interview leading up to the World Championships, and going, you look so young, and I think it was a Cuban coach that came in at that stage. Trump and, yeah, you were talking about that, and it was it was uh, great to see that you know um, the preparation because you look so young. I mean, what are you, seventeen uh, years of age? I uh, was seventeen uh, years of age, and uh, Dennis Galvin was another great great boxer, very yeah. heavy handed, was on the team. Mad as a, <laughs> another one of those. It was great, Craig, but real good fun. Yeah, but, I mean, it could have been up at three o'clock in the morning. Is that right? As hyper as can be. <laughs> you know, thought he was full of jelly babies and sweets. Really? And he was that type. And Neil Goff was a quiet lad, great lad. So yeah. it was there was four of us in that trip, and Ray close. Ray close as well, yeah. Ray close, and uh, I happen to be that clip you're talking about was in was in All Saints Boxing Club, so it was. The old club, yeah, which was there was a great history come out of that too. So it was that's where I started off my career, and uh, you had the famous Liam Neeson started mm-hmm. there, Sean Johnson, Francis McNally, all great guys. They had won all Ireland titles before me, and I suppose they led the way for me. So they did they give me that wee thing of oh, I want to be like. But when you see someone in your own club that's achieved mm-hmm. that, it's you know it's a possible. You, uh, you know it's there, so it's, it's great. No, we had a. Great history before me, and we had a fantastic, unbelievable club. So we had, uh, when I look back on it, uh, big stove, fireplace in it, and the ring sitting in the middle, and loads of room to train in. So we had, and then it was an old school, so it was, and um, it was turned into the boxing club, so it was. But uh, the thing, we trained there for, we trained in County Kerry for that then championships that time, and we spent four weeks in County Kerry. Uh, with the Irish senior team and so we were sparring with the likes of Michael Carruth uh, all the guys Billy Watch and they were all heading off to the, I think it was the World Championship yeah, yeah, yeah. could have been the year before the Olympics maybe yeah, uh, yeah. so it was so they were heading there and we were all trained together so we were and it was uh, but then that, that came to an end so it did so we, need, we had about two to three weeks to go so we moved to Ballymena mm-hmm. so we did uh, and that year before I went to the World Championships. I actually went to Galway and I won that uh, Gaelic Games yeah, gold yeah. medal. So I did. And you were so boxer of the tournament as well. I did. I, I mean, that's that's some achievement. I I look back. Uh, there's actually a guy says an ex. He says, "Oh, Eamon was a bit of a puncher and he was strong." And I says to myself, well, "I think I could box a wee bit yeah, too." Absolutely. You know, because yeah. I'm not sure who was all. Uh, Wayne McCulloch was in that tournament. Uh, I think Ian McGee was in it. Paul Griffin was in yeah. it. Very close, uh, maybe. Very close, yeah. uh, uh, So I'm thinking, I must be able to box a wee bit. Have a yeah. box Give me tournament. a bit of credit for <laughs> <those> <laughs> <there>. Absolutely. <laughs> when you see guys like that boxing in it, yeah. you know, so. Uh, but that must have got into those world championships knowing that you'd won a, a gold medal in a tournament and stuff. Did that give you confidence? I mean, when you I were, did, I. Even uh, though you were so young, were you. I was, I was, uh, we would have been always confident anyway. Yeah. You know, and then the fact that, I, and I'm not, you know, I think the fact that I had so many fights over the years and stopping guys and thinking to myself, I've never trained like this before. Yeah. Uh, this was the first time really that I trained at a, 
an elite level. Yeah, like a training camp proper. Like a proper training camp and a, an elite level where you, you, you up in the morning you run, you went back to your room and rested, and you, you, you had your food was lined out for you and everything, and, and then you train in the afternoon. With the Cuban coach, it was three hours of training in the afternoon, so it wasn't so. How can you train for three hours? Well, you done an hour and a half. You know, an hour and a half of constant hard training. Yeah. Uh, between bag work, pad work, sparring, whatever it may be, and then you've done an hour and a half of just uh, practising slow, like technical, stuff. technical stuff, just, and that was the hardest bit. Yeah. So it was, even though it wasn't physically hard, it was extremely hard, so it was, and I had four fights in Cuba that time, so I had, and I was sitting thinking, looking back on it now, and I could tell this, from that, this is a, my experience, you're training, not for nine minutes. Mm -hmm. You're training for four fights, which is 36 minutes. Yeah. So it is, you have four fights at nine minutes. Mm -hmm. So you have, even though you're fighting on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you know, there are two days you're getting yeah. a day's rest, you still have to be, be prepared for uh, four fights. Yeah, and even the aches and pains in between fights, you know, the adrenaline wears off. It wears off, and you're fighting... And any any of them amateur tournaments, you know, if there's two or three fights in them, you have to realise how fit you have to be because you don't really recover if you box on a Tuesday. You're not as fresh again on a Thursday. As uh, if the, if you're fighting a guy on a Thursday and he's had a walkover, he's fresh going in there. No way. And you're you've had nine minutes, so you have. And if you've had a hard fight on a Tuesday and a hard fight on a Thursday. And the guy that you're fighting on a Saturday has had an easy fight yeah. and an easy one or a reasonable That makes some difference. You know, he's got that wee advantage. Yeah. So that's the people don't understand that, but experience, you know, can give you that there. And and the Cuban coach that time was fantastic. So he was that was my first time being really coached by somebody with great inner knowledge about boxing and yeah. uh what he was what he was giving us and handing on to us. And some of the things, you know, because you, and that's the other thing, when you're in a camp with fellow Irish boxers and different weight categories and everything, there's great competition. Yeah. Everybody even wants in to, the training even itself. In the training, that. You know, so everybody wants to be the best runner in the morning. Yeah. You don't want to be last home. No. <laughs> so you don't. <laughs> and you want to try and, and then even in the sparring, you want to be the best and everything. So it's great. Yeah. So it was the, uh, to be in that environment so it was and what was the experience like coming from Balamina and going to Havana in Cuba in 1987 I mean that was just that was uh, in them days it was uh, you know as a young fella jumping on a plane for 9 or 10 hours and uh, never really I'd never really been away other maybe in Europe and over England and in Britain things like that Scotland things like that and this was my first major trip away so it was you know and that was that was an eye opener. So was sure. began to have Havana. They uh, they had no such thing as they, they love. They wanted to try and trade with you to get your jeans off you. Is that right? You had yeah. Wrangler jeans, or you had in them days it was Wrangler, and probably whatever if you had as trainers or whatever they'd love to. Can we give you the time? And uh, it was it was extremely. It's a communist country, or under oh, Fidel Castro and stuff. Sure. Right. They didn't have a big lot. Uh, that was one of the things I can remember. So Khan and uh, that was that was great. So it was. I remember on a Sunday, I was kind of or day off, and we headed to the Irish team. 
we had it to the church suited we all went to it was a, it was a mass suited and uh, it was great so it was because the the, the guy the priest at the, the front gave us all a wee says and it's great to see, I don't know if he said it in English I think it's probably Spanish, Spanish yeah. and he says oh we've got the Irish boxing team here today Brilliant. this was lovely so that's it was. fantastic and then after it along with the I think it was the English team we headed to the the British Embassy right, right. and we had uh, tea and sandwiches Brilliant. And so you were treated like <laughs> you were really treated well to be in a, an embassy where and there was guys with suits and shirts and ties. And <laughs> Did you feel out of place? <laughs> they were uh, government ministers ah, or whatever. Yeah. And it was just, to be in that environment, and I don't know what we were doing there, yeah. but it was great. No, that's fantastic. And then we had a tour of old Havana and things like that there. And I kind of was, because I was the one, that, I got to the final. Dennis Galvin got to the quarterfinals. He got a bronze medal, mm-hmm. so he did. And uh, that was in Cuba. And... Uh, I think Ray Close got beaten his first fight against the Cuban. Right. The guy who won the gold medal. Okay. That's uh, a tough draw then for him. <laughs> so he got a, he got uh, he got the Cuban. Uh, but you got a Cuban. I got a well. Cuban too, so that I think it was the second fight I got. Him. So then, so I got a, I had a warm up first. How was that though, fighting the Cuban in Cuba? Oh, the, the, the atmosphere or stuff. Oh, the the arena was, I think probably ten thousand. So it was fantastic for him. And it was it was full because they let them in free. Okay, right. Boxing was uh, it's like the national sport. The national sport right. of Cuba, and they let the man free, so they did. Uh, unbelievable experience because uh, the American team were in the rooms next door to us in the hotel. Roy Jones was there, so it was. Uh, That's right, Roy Jones was there. And I, I, I remember saying to Dennis Gavin, he's he wasn't the famous Roy Jones no. at that time. I says he's out of your weight, but everybody had been talking about him. Right. Okay. Uh, the new reputation. They knew their reputation as any, any good Americans like Roy Jones, this boy Roy Jones. And uh, I said, Dennis, he's on it your way. <laughs> did, he, did Roy Jones end up getting robbed in that tournament? As he got beat too. He got beat, there was a tight robbed. decision. I know, he, he he wasn't robbed, robbed right? He got robbed. They, they, there was a, you could feel it in the stadium, they didn't like the Americans. Oh, really? Right, of course, yes, yes. Uh, that. And that there, and... Uh, I think some of them were, if I can remember, it was an American or a Canadian were provoking the crowd. Oh, right, right. boxers and that didn't do any favors. Didn't do any yeah. good, so it didn't. But uh, then, of course, he went on the next year and got absolutely robbed. Blind robbed in the Seoul uh, Olympics, so he's very right unlucky. So then, then type of things, but uh, I remember of him. He was a lovely guy. Yeah, exceptionally humble, but one of my favorite yeah. fighters of all time. Just as a light heavyweight, I don't know if anyone could have could with him at one stage. Yeah, you know, it's great talent. So he yeah. wasn't. He'd be in that environment, there was Costas who was there. Is that right? Is he right. was there, he didn't get a medal either. No. Uh, he was Russia, he, Russia he would have represented then, then he, he oh, went to Australia right. after that. And then there was, uh, who else was there? There was uh, somebody that put up the guys that had been there that year. He was there, there was, uh, there was Roy Jones, there was myself, there was Ray Close, there was. There was another guy, the guy that beat Michael Carruth. Well, that's it. The, the guy, guy that beat you. The guy that beat you in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now the pronunciation is like Mihai Lu or, Lou Lou or something like that. He right. was was representing Romania. That's right. Um, and then as a professional, he actually held the same world title as you, the that's WBO welterweight title, and he <laughs> defended it against Michael Carruth, which but he retired undefeated, twenty eight 0 That's as right. A pro, yeah. So no one ever beat him. So that was bad hands. Or uh, something yeah, like that's that. right. Yeah. There was another guy there. Uh, that guy was there, and there was another great Romanian guy there, a guy called Vasquez. 
All oh, right. We fought Joe Lowe. Okay, right. Uh, even this guy Fasquez was was the outstanding guy of the tournament. So he was. I always remember him. Uh, he'd won two world senior titles. All oh, right. Was, okay. Was an outstanding guy. Uh, two or three European titles. So mm-hmm. he did. He was. It was just. He looked like a. A twenty-five or twenty-six-year-old man, really, yeah, years of age. Uh, it just was outstanding. So he was, and uh, and those were the guys. The, the other guy was there was the Cuban guy that Michael Cruz fought in the Olympic final. Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah, oh, was that right? Was, so was, unbelievable company. I, I, I remember getting a photo taken with uh, the Cuban heavyweight at that time. So he was, he had won the gold, and he was six foot six. Right. And everybody was talking about this guy. He was going to be the next Stevenson and ah, yes. this and that there. And he died in a, a five or six year or many years after he died in a car crash. Oh, really? Okay, okay. But he was so talented. Yeah. So he, was, he just walked through the tournament. So he did, you know. But a tremendous experience. And do, fun. What about your own performance in the tournament? I mean, can you remember any of the fights? I remember in the particular? The, I, I remember the one, uh, there was one time the Cuban was saying to us, was Cuban teaching us and he says you had to be on the weight the night before you went to bed oh, right. and I said no nah, that's not the way to do it I always disagree I you wanted it for a <laughs> second in the morning yeah. <laughs> that's when you step on the scales in the morning you lose a couple of pound a night or a pound in your sleep and whatever but he insisted so I was a couple of pound over the night before or a pound over and he made me train and I remember going down this down the left and happened to be it was one of the guys that was fighting I can't remember I think it was uh, could have been the guy, I think it was a Canadian guy, and he says, Oh, weight problems. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to bump into him. Uh, of all the people, sense of security, maybe he of thought. all the people to run yeah. on, and the coach says, Oh, training, I have to make a weight. <laughs> and the next thing, the Canadian guy just came at me in the first round, the right. second round. It was a real hard, it was a hard fight, so it was. Because they would be telling them, yeah, you know, this guy can't make. And was that the semi final, the Canadian? After you beat, yeah, so it was, yeah, to uh, get you into your final. And the final, and that, I think I won that in the 4 1. And I think, you know, to be honest, I, I think if I had it, had a, I'm not saying I could have beat the guy in the final because he was very technically, he was very good, a great boxer, yeah. But I think if I had an easier fight, yeah, you might have that more of a chance. I might have had more of a chance, but I, I had a great result because I remember the, the Cubans, I beat the American first, uh. And then the second fight, oh no, I've got the Cuban yeah. favourite. And everybody in the tournament was talking about this Cuban. Right. He was one of the Cubans that they were talking about. They were talking about Roy Jones and they were talking about this Cuban. And then the heavyweight guy they were talking about. But this guy had went to Germany first and had stopped everybody. Right. And I thought, oh, jeez, I've got the favourite. Yeah. And the next fight, and uh, I remember it was my father was out there at that time. And he says, look, he says, the Cubans were coming out of the corner. And if, if they've been fighting, whoever, whatever condition they were fighting, they bullied them and yeah. dominated them. And try, and a lot of times they were stopping their opponents. So they, were, they didn't give them a chance to put the pressure on them. And I remember my father saying to me that time just before that, and he says, do you to him mm-hmm. when he, don't let him out of the corner. The minute he gets straight, rushed straight across and pin him in his own corner and put the pressure on him. And I remember doing something like that. Yeah, so I, play, yeah. <laughs> I put it on my right 10,000 cubits, you know what I mean? That's some good. And uh, I thought myself, like, and I, I got him so that I hurt him so that early on I got him so that I yeah. didn't stop. So it was, you know, 
but uh, that was a great experience. Yeah. And I mean, win the silver medal. I mean, if someone would have said to you before you left, Valamina, right? Well, you uh, and, them, and them days, and that's this is true. The the guys won medals at the Commonwealth Games, which would have been a lot easier. Maybe I'm not saying easy, but no, easier. but yeah, yeah. yeah. Commonwealth, but this was the World Championships, and it didn't, nobody had ever won a medal. No, you were the first. I think Tommy Corr had won one. He had won bronze, hadn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yes. We maybe got European medals. Yeah, but they were uh, at this stage. Just Sutcliffe and Sutcliffe the European. Yeah. yeah. And then you had uh, there was a big gap in between at this stage in amateur boxing. We weren't getting any funding or anything, and this was the start of it again. Yeah. When they brought in the Cuban coach, and this is the start, and over the last. 15 or 20 years especially Michael Collins and Paddy oh Collins and all yeah. these guys yeah. it's been amazing you, know, you can see the benefit but I think I was you were one of the, you you were the, the starters yeah. starter, but you know uh, even though we didn't get any funding but we were we were in a camp yeah. and training where before me I'd imagine guys would have had jobs and things like that there was no such thing as you'd have met up in Belfast for a weekend or had to go down to Dublin for a weekend or four days or whatever and treat that would have been the height of your yeah. camp. Well, that, even so, well, this was a few years before. My dad never boxed in tournaments, but re- representing the Irish team, I don't think that, I think mm-hmm. it was a sort of went down, met up for a few days, and then you know, you sort of did your training yourself in your own club, so that was the way it was. Yeah, you getting know? everyone together, I'm sure that's a massive plus to get, oh, you know, as you say, just the competition of spawn and training, seeing yeah, what someone else is doing, pushing you up. Makes a big difference yeah. with this, James, you know, where you're, you're in a camp and you're getting your food prepared for you, and everything's kind of laid on and right you have a bus here today and you're going to the such and such the airport you're there in time and you're getting picked up at the other side you're put in a hotel yeah and you know even being trained when you're in these countries and i think when we went to cuba we were probably out a week at least right before the tournament started it's always acclimatizing and stuff yeah you're doing right things like that there you know so that was that was fantastic so it was you know so there's a They've learnt from them things, yeah, and hopefully then they can learn more and more. So that's we're it. doing brilliant. So we are in the, the amateur boxing scene, at the no, that's fantastic. And even the professional scene, yeah, we're doing great. So are so it's great to see it. When you came back from uh, Cuba and you'd won that, was that a was it a big deal back home? I mean, especially in Palomina. I'm sure it was. It was and, and even coming off the airport in Dublin, the National Stadium. So it was there was a there was a, a load of people there waiting for us. So it was brilliant and. Uh, press and things like that there but in Bolomina you know it was a great thing so it was and my my late father he was very proud I'm sure was. he was and it was the first from All Saints to, to we had lots of great fighters from All Saints talented ones but did nobody had ever, ever at that stage had went on to the, the international yeah, scene and, yeah. and won some medal, so medal of the major tournament the major yeah. tournament uh, up until that with guys that had boxed maybe for Ireland against England and things yeah. like that and Maybe against Scotland or something, but I was I was the first. It was the first from All Saints. No, I'm sure it was and, a very uh, proud one. Big, big, big moment. So it was. So it gave all the other young lads coming behind me an inspiration to yeah to say, well, if he can do it, we can do it. We can do it. You know. So it was uh, and the time was very always. I was always this one thing I will say about Balmain. They were very very supportive over the years, uh, amateur and professional. Yeah. I've always been treated. Fantastic in this town, so I have. Look, no, that's great. Because, you know, so it makes a big, it makes it great when you're when you're, they, they see it as sport, mm-hmm. and they just support you. So they yeah. do, you know what I mean? So it's just great. And we wouldn't be like probably Newcastle too. We're not really a, a boxing town either. Yeah, no. You know, other than All Saints, 
you know, where if you're in Belfast, I would call Belfast the boxing city. Oh, absolutely. In every, every corner of you know, every there's estate. A, there's a club in yeah. there. You absolutely. know, there's 25, 30 clubs. You yeah. walk around the corner, there's a club in there. Yeah. If you didn't go on there, fell out, you could go to another club. It's just for working for working class areas, you know, for to you release know, aggression, you go to the boxing club. It's, it's a great and, thing. You know, when I, I'm 52 now and I look back at club, my club and the experience of all states, I think it's an amazing thing when I see these clubs in Belfast and the stories and even Ballymena and every town, you know, we had two clubs here at one time, which was great. Uh, and they're great for them areas. Yeah. They really are, James, you know, the, the bringing kids, especially this lockdown thing's over now and people are suffering now with addictions, oh, alcohol, yeah. drugs, and whatever. Depression as well, especially young ones, yeah. There. I know now because I still train and I enjoy it now, I do it for enjoyment now more than anything. The benefits, the blessings, the you know, the endorphins. Uh, natural the, high, is the it? The natural high, uh, you know, and it's, some of these kids, are, they're going out now on the streets and they're, uh, they're taking drugs or whatever it may be and if there's a, a place like a boxing club there for them it's, it's got to be a great release for them so yeah. as 15 16 years of age and being brought in there and saying you know and they're going home after doing seven or eight rounds in yeah. the bag and their anger their even if they don't go on to win anything it's just it's just it's just it's just a, I, I, I believe good life, life morals too you know yes, exactly I, I think so too, yeah. and me I'm only I'm only saying from a boxing point of view what it was for me but I know football, Gaelic, all sports, rugby, all sports, there's got to be the same, hopefully for the, hopefully there is, but I just think boxing, when you hit the punch bag and you're maybe not feeling good and somebody's annoyed you that day and you hit the bag and you've done a seven or eight rounds in the bag and you come away from it, you've forgotten about that. Yeah. So you have that person that's annoyed you or the thing yeah, that's yeah, annoying you, whatever it is, and boxing kind of does that. I'd say it's the same in other sports yeah. too, you know, whatever it is, but... I can only encourage kids to take up, yeah. take up sport, and it's not everybody's going to go to a high level or whatever. But you know, if you enjoy it, do it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and it, and have it as a something extra in your side. You know, so yeah. it is is great. Sport's a great thing. It is indeed. It's really nice. Um. So getting back to after you won the silver medal, um, in Cuba, when you came back, you were obviously still young. You were only seventeen years of age. What? did you want to do next? Were you wanting to go into the seniors, you had the Olympics in 88, obviously you'd have been very young, but you know, I think Wayne McCulloch went to the 88 Olympics, sort of around That's a similar right, age. Yeah. Um, what were you hoping to sort of do after well, that? Well, I, there wasn't, I wasn't really in the running for the 88 Olympics. Yeah. So it was Michael Chris and stuff would have been in your way. Chris yeah. and the guys and Billy Walsh were there and they were 23, yeah, 24 uh, years of age they were. So I'd, I'd come back from Cuba I'd get picked a few times for senior internationals against Ireland and I boxed in the end. So I did, was a, had a great tournament to our, in Austria. I went to Austria with John Lowy mm-hmm. and myself. It was a senior one. He got boxed for the tournament that night. Did he? Did so he did. And he was outstanding. He's a fantastic And that's uh, one of the things I always remember about Lowy. I, I had been, at my first fight, I was on the running for, I'd won and I'd boxed brilliant. And I was on the running to get boxed for the tournament. You thought you were going to get two <laughs> from two? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was getting boxed for the tournament. And the next thing, Louis came in and he boxed. Did a master class. <laughs> and, and, uh, and my final wasn't just as good as his. <laughs> so you thought I might not get it this time. <laughs> I didn't get it. He yeah. got it. And deservedly so. Okay. I, wouldn't, I, I stood and watched him that night. He was outstanding. He had t- both these fights were outstanding. And we had an amazing trip. 
in Austria. But uh, that's what I'm saying. You know, uh, I learned a lot from guys like John Loy. Yeah. And these guys before and before me. So I boxed for Ireland a few times and had a had a good few senior ones. But I was left with the thing of was I going to go professional? At some stage, I wasn't. I always had yeah. this in the back of my head. I wanted to be a professional boxer, more so than. And at that time, I couldn't get any. Couldn't really get a lot of sparring. I couldn't get any sparring. So I somebody had got in contact with these was Jim. Yes. And I was invited up in there to okay. spar with, like Sabine McCauley, guys like Paul McCulloch, Joe Lowe, Presanto Espana, and all the I mean, there. That's unbelievable for eighteen, maybe at that ah, stage. It's probably about eighteen. Um, when I first went up in, and I, I don't want to sound like it, but I was within right away. I was holding my own against him. Well, I I've seen the uh, Ian McCauley's put up footage mm -hmm. of your spar with him, yeah. and I mean it's a very competitive spar. It's the two years are fantastic, and, he, and Ian was a fantastic. Uh, but he had you just know, ABA champion. And he had won the ABAs. Everybody was talking about Ian McCauley. Yeah, yeah. I came back from Cuba, won a silver, and I had this thing I could. I'm going to, and he'd probably say, oh, I don't know, yeah. put this young boy I think he actually had the Irish Fest on and some of the mm -hmm. spars and all too, I remember saying that. And so, and, and I mean, I wasn't getting any better sparring. No. I couldn't get any better sparring, any better learning. Yeah. And uh, and at that stage then, Barney Eastwood says, uh, I'd love to have you as a professional. Yeah, I'm sure he, I want, sure he did. You know, I, I want you and I want, you know, he had, he had Ian McCauley, he had Paul Hodgkinson. Yeah, Andy Holligan as well. Andy Holligan yeah. was there. He was another one of the great sports. Yeah, right, he was guys. ABA champion at Light Walterweight. Good pro as well, Ian, British oh, Commonwealth champion too. And Ian McCauley was lightweight, mm -hmm. and I was in between that. I was I was Light Walterweight at that time too, and then you had the Cruzanto Espana. Yeah. So I'm not around, and, and my father saying, "You're never going to get any better." You know, if you go back, if I go back into the amateurs, yeah, who does spar with really? Yeah. And it, and it's another four year cycle. If you want to get four year cycle, yeah. and uh, so it wasn't really. Yes, if the Olympics had a came along and I had a fit it in like Wayne did, yeah, uh, had made it an Irish senior title and went on and I don't know if you qualified in them days, but if I had it, it would have been a nice box ticked. Yeah, but the main one was professional boxing, so it was, and then I, I turned over with Barney Eastwood, so I did and uh, I, I when I added it all up, you know, traveling to Dublin, no funding, yeah. uh going to have to get a job or a soft job or a part-time job and when you add up one side up and then you add up the pro, the pro side at that stage for me turning professional and being in that environment and what I was learning and everything that was there the coaching yeah thanks Bernardo Chaka and stuff with you he started the at that stage he was there so he oh, was, was he? Okay. Uh, and then you had Eddie Shaw that's right so yeah. you had and John Breen so you would have had uh, Paul McCulloch yeah I was going. The the alternative was for me to train on my own, pretty much in All Saints Boxing Club. And travel uh, down to Dublin, as you say, just yeah. To get sparring, I would have to go to Belfast to get sparring for tournaments like the seniors and things like that there, and you know, so the alternative wasn't really. There was no appeal to it really. No. Uh, I'm going to continue on for the next four years, boxing international, win some things and lose some things, or am I going to sit here? Or I'm going to go up in here and train under Barney Eastwood and Eastwood's gym and get the coaching from three or four coaches that I named there. Yeah. Uh, all the sparring I want. And if that's not good enough sparring, there'll be more sparring yeah, brought in on top of that. But it was. Uh, so it wasn't really a much of a an issue for me because if I had lived in Dublin, 
uh, or I lived in Belfast and was uh, you know within distance of getting all the sparring, the amateur clubs, amateur clubs, and doing everything. And this is uh, you know what, I'm I'm going to hang about. I mean, you don't re- you don't regret that decision anyway, do you? No, or, no, you definitely know, not. Yeah, definitely. That's we're obviously going to get through uh, your career, but no, I I've no real. Every boxer, I, I would say, has has we regrets, but overall, I can look myself quite content. Yeah, you don't back in anger and have. I think, no, I say, there's times that I think myself, we still had a box on for another three or four years till it was dirty. Aye, we'll, you know, we'll get that. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's something. Uh, there's things there, like they said there, would would love to pick that box Olympics. Yeah. Uh, but then when you see what happened to guys that went to Olympic games, there's. I you know, you go around and get robbed, get and, robbed and then you come back and then you st- you're still having to go on and do all that yeah i was doing all the 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 work and all the hard graft and all the learning there and this was gym anyway mm-hmm. so if i'd have done three or four years one olympic games or not one olympic games because you you're not guaranteed it no you're not you know that's what i'm saying you could do all that and you don't qualify and i think, or I get think the second one uh the first one i would have been 18 i would have went the second one i would have had to qualified yeah go to a tournament and qualify or anything and you can get injured yeah so then i'm going to wait to 26 if that's i miss right. that one i know that's so true. there's always that thing too and then when i looked at steve collins joey kazaki you could go through the list mm-hmm. prince nazim and all these guys never went Did, to the Olympics, yeah, yeah. so you know so it wasn't a be all and end all so uh but the professional thing was yeah you know uh, uh, the, the fact that i wanted a box professional I wanted to win professional titles. That well, that's just going to say when you started him in your professional career. What would your ambition have been? Like, would you have looked at it and thought, "I want to be a world champion," or was it, you know? I think everybody does at the start. Yeah, but then when you when you realize, oh, this is tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you realize how much, uh, if you look back and you think, oh, "Did I really put that work in? Did I have to do that?" Uh, how hard it is. I used to think myself, well, this is going to be reasonably easy. Yeah. Uh, because I'm quite good at it and I've won everything as an amateur. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to a different, different level. level yeah. Professional boxing is so difficult. It is really, and, and I'm not saying it because I've been there, but your father will tell you and everything. It's so hard. Uh, My dad always says it's the toughest sport in the world. It's you know, hard, just, you know it's, just... it's, it's, it's chopping cheese from amateur boxing. Yeah. You know, amateur boxing. You can go down to Dublin, you win an All-Ireland title, or you lose it, and uh, even you lose it, you can come back the next year. It's only yeah. one year, it's only 12 months, and you can come back the next year and win it. Yeah. You know, if you lost as a professional... Defeat the program, yeah. Because you, know, you could be finished. Everyone now, at the moment, I think, it's, everyone's sort of obsessed with unbeaten records too, and sometimes, you know, a defeat, you, you know, know, it can sometimes be the making of you as well. the making of you, and, and, uh, and even, you know, but it's just such a... I found it such a... So much pressure on you because I'd, I'd come along as a professional I think it was 19 fights before I lost 20 fights before yeah. I lost the professional I'd won lost at this stage two all together and as you say there that pressure's on you in yeah. my days you know they want to see 25 and 0 or Aye. 19 knockouts and you know way back before me and the professional game if you did four losses didn't do you they were like learning losses yeah. So they were, and they were good to have that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of great fighters were able to do that. Mm-hmm. But as, as, as it goes on now, and it is now, they want you unbeaten. Yeah. So they do. And, and there's belts for every different belts, belts for every different. But it's an exceptionally tough. I didn't realise it was so tough. But I always, I remember you saying about your father, I always says to myself when I 
when I when I done three years in Bonnie's was, and I'd been traveling up and down and I had a wee car for part of the time and got up and down the train and the bus and things like that there, and I remember it was three of the hardest apprentice years. Yeah. But the best years now looking back on it from it stood now, by you. I stood by me greatly, greatly. So it did. What I learned in them three years with the guys around me in that gym was what made me go on yeah. and become a one professional champion. world yeah. champion. You know, you know that uh, like even when I went to London and I mixed with guys like Eubanks and Ben and all those big names, Bruno and things like that. I learned far more and there was far better fighters yeah. even than the names I mentioned there. And this was Jim, Victor Cordova. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that's a yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Paul Dave, Hawkinson and Paul Hawkinson. Yeah. I remember as a young boy sitting one day a guy called uh, came in and uh, I just even to this day it was probably one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen, a guy called Larry Zapata. Oh right. So it was. And he came in to spar Dave Boy McCauley, Panamanian. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, 19 defences of his yeah, world title yeah. somewhere around that line and that's who Dave had sparred him <laughs> he was 34 years of age uh, Zapata uh, and I always say he was, I would say he was past championship fighting his best days and they brought this guy out they sparred Dave Boy McCall and Dave got out of the ring so he did and I remember him kicking the, the ring and saying you could hit him with a handful of stones quicker. <laughs> he was so frustrated. Right. Uh, and Dave was an exceptional fighter. Yeah, unbelievable. He's a big guy. But this guy, I honestly got, I never seen I mean, him. You were there watching it. Sitting there as a young boy and watching this and trying to learn off him. And God, what an experience. See, uh, Barney, Barney had all the connections, didn't he? Yeah, the connections. And South American connections and stuff. I was very blessed too. And uh, at Eddie Shaw, I was there at that time, he was not well. So he wasn't, he was, he was going through, uh, he, was, he had cancer, so yeah. he had. And then you had John come in, so that John Brain was coming in at that stage. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was a part of it. And then you had Paul McCulloch, another great coach. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic yeah. coach, Paul McCulloch. Some great spars with his son, young Paul. Yeah. Uh, another guy, I, I was so lucky, Joe Lowe, mm-hmm. probably one of the greatest amateur boxers Ireland has ever been just. Yeah. Uh, and I was sparring with him. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, you were very lucky, and around your weight, you had so many Andy, great fighters. He says Andy Holligan there fought the great Chavez. That's right, yeah. So he didn't. Uh, I had some great spars with Andy Holligan. Right. Truman and Ian McCauley. But the great spars and the ones that I really was Crisanto España. Yeah. Because that's yeah. A, I mean, obviously with Crisanto <laughs> went on to, you know, to and achieve as well. And he, the two is, you know, we'll get to yeah, that in the pro uh, career, but you know, he's actually yeah, sparred together. I, I, I had a spar with him, and, and I can really say, I, it was a one week in particular, I, I was giving it to him. It was yeah. hurting him. So it was. It was maybe 19, 20 years of age at this stage, and he was 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but I, I, I wobbled him a couple of times and right, sparred him, yeah. hurt him. And Eddie Shaw got on the phone to Barney Hidden, but about at that time, he said, You've got to come up and see this year. Really? You've got to come. And every time I was sparring Crisanto that week, I remember uh, Eddie would have sent. Bernard down to the bottom of the, the gym. Uh-huh. Could take you, uh, Sam Story or yeah. ever who Ian McCullough on the pads down there, and and and, and uh, Crisanto, uh, and 
Bernard had that thing to Panamanians yeah. or whatever, Venezuelan Panamanian, mm -hmm. and he wanted to be there in the sparring. Oh, right, okay. Eddie sent him down, see that I remember. <laughs> That's when I loved Eddie. Oh, very good. <laughs> and, he, and, he was, and every time I'd have a case and present with a jab or whatever, a body that was short, and he's good man, him. That's it. That's Is that it. Right? Constantly. Yeah. Constantly giving that's me that's some a, competition. Uh, like you talk about the amateur side, but not unbelievable. And I was, I was pushing Crisanto back, yeah. and it was really. I mean, Crisanto was a big, big puncher, big wasn't guy, he? And he had the puncher, probably freakishly long arms. He just, you know, long it was arms. unbelievable. This uh, and I had some great. I must have sparred a hundred rounds with him, but, but at that particular week, I was. You were on form that week. I was in form that week, and I was giving it to him. So it was, yeah. and I hurt him twice. Right, really hurt him. So that's a pity. I know it's only sport, but that confidence and the confidence I was getting yeah. from that, I, I believe if I can look back, I think maybe put him down, him down yeah. one stage. So really? I did, and I thought, this, not many people have done that. Though, so that's I, fine. I wonder you do that. So I did, yeah. You know, it was the same as when young Neil Sinclair was sparring me, yeah. He was a guy coming up yeah. behind me, and I remember sparring him, and we had a great spar too. Mm -hmm. So we had an uh. Traffic. He wanted to beat me when we were out running together. Is that right? Are you <laughs> talking about the, that competition? Yeah. <laughs> that was there. You know, he came to run for it. You know, uh -huh. and uh, and and I could see the same. You were the same, young. You were I the young the same one. Yeah. Spine as always. Uh, you know, and it, I had that fire. I wanted. You know, if I could do Crescendo Spine here, and he's going on to be a world champion. He was number two or three in the world at that time. If I could do him, think the confidence you have. Yeah. And then go down in the car with my father. Take me down. What a sparring place. Yeah. What a sparring place. <laughs> you know, oh, listen, you've done him there. You've got him. Yeah. You know, you've got him. Yeah, and, I know. and then I was kind of thinking to myself, is he, was he, no, he wasn't. He wasn't taking these because you wouldn't let no, anybody. You wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't let anybody no. dominate. You wouldn't be top dog. You, you, know. Know, you know, I'll put him in his place, this young boy. Yeah. You know, because in the next four or five years or whatever, and I'm 28 and he's 23, 24, yeah. I could end up fighting him. And, uh, so he was, you know, we went down in the car and my father and I said, great, that's brilliant spar. I had harder spars with guys like Andy Hulligan. Yeah. So I had, because he was small. So I had, and he was tough and rugged and he came, he could only come forward. He right, that's a, that was his style. So it was, uh, I just loved the taller guys with that, you know, slipper jam. You were a fantastic body puncher too, right. so I so suppose, yeah, yeah. He was kind of, kind of made for me and then mm. that wee bit taller and, Long they worked off their jab and they try to set you up with the right hand, where I was able to keep to that other side and get yeah. with the left hook. So it was you know yeah. so, and it was great. But, and then after, pretty much after the sparring and the training and that there, uh, Barney would assist to Bernard Chega and especially for the first, the first year, go you and work with Eamon on a one on one basis, and I was getting that, so it was every day. Yeah, I was. It was specifically for me. Well, I, I actually seen a clip, I think Ian McCauley again, and mm -hmm. put up stuff, and I'm, I'm almost sure it was you. You were on the bag, and Bernardo Checa had like a towel, mm -hmm. and he was sort of, he was moving the towel back and forth. That so was, so you were moving your head, and you know, mm -hmm. you could see how one-on-one -on -one, uh, that no, was. No, uh, that was, Barney was says, no, you work with him. The minute I came up into the, the gym after the sparring, my Eddie was very focused on me too in the sparring, so it was, but... Uh, Bernard Checa had for I think it was constantly for maybe a year just I was like a one-on-one -on -one type of thing so it was just practicing things working on things going on the pads maybe doing three or four rounds in the pads with him and they would show me wee moves how to roll and how to all that type of inside yeah. fighting such a relaxed that relaxed sort of style of relaxed sort of style that. and uh, I have to say a fantastic trainer yeah. Bernard Checa was uh and, and then he was able at that time too he was probably 
30 years of age. Yeah, because he was, uh, a, I think, he in the mid 80s. You know, uh, he was very highly ranked as well. He was, he was ranked number two in the That's world. Right, yeah. And they brought him over to spar Barney McGuigan. Oh, right. So and then he sort of stayed then. And that was when Barney, they, Barney they was the captain. Kept him on, so he did. And then he, he went up through the weights then yeah. when he stayed. Ah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was sparring with him. Yeah. Done maybe 70, 80 rounds with him. Brilliant. So I did spar his brother Oscar, check it too. That was another. That's right, yeah. A very, very, he was probably one of the most talented guys. Is that right? Oscar, yeah. in that circle, of all them names I mentioned, mm -hmm. but didn't achieve. No. Didn't win any of the, the major titles no. or anything, you know, but he was, uh, he was he was a tough boy yeah. in the gym. He so with, with Eastwood, you won your first, I think, two, three fights, and then you actually got a draw in Panama. I won in Panama. Uh, but oh. it was against a, you know, a Panamanian in Panama, so a draw. <laughs> I imagine this is probably a robbery, was it? Uh, I, well, well tight enough, obviously. I, they're was, gonna... I was young, uh, and that's what we were going back again. Those fights that uh, you learn from. So he was, and that, that was one of them. That was another great experience. Me and a guy called Nigel Linton went out together, and uh, it was fantastic. So it was, that was another thing. We went to a gym, and I remember doing eight, nine rounds, and this was gym, six to eight rounds. Anyway, before we went out, was running five to ten mile and doing all. Fit as a fiddle going out. After a week, they took us around to the gym. We were there for about three weeks, so we were. They took us around to the gym. And uh, they, they says, right, you're sparring a day. And it was in the heat. So it was, I remember being in the heat. And the, the gym was packed, so it was. It must have been 200, 300. Really? Right. Boxers and people. You could have walked in and sat in these things. There was rows of seats and you could have sat and watched. And everybody was, I always remember, they were from about light bulb rate down, all the boxers in the gym. And there was so much talent everywhere. I've never seen talent like it. And I, I, you're sparring now, even I was in the ring and, uh, and I was fighting maybe a, that week, Saturday, say this was a Monday. And I remember going into the spar thing myself. After a round, I was shattered. Really? It was just the humidity, maybe just humidity, the different type of heat over? The different type of heat. And I thought to myself, I can't, I'm not going to do that. Who was standing? There was a guy standing at the ring like this. Here it was the guy I was in. I was fighting. Oh, you're joking. He so he's oh, watching you go there. <laughs> of all the places they run out of steam. Yeah. And, uh, but when I come out, and they says to me, don't be worried. Uh, you'd be boxing in air conditions, like an air conditioning oh, place. Right, okay. you know, so a big sports hall, if I can remember. And was, I thought, well, that's good. So it is, you know. But anyway, I recovered by then anyway and had a few more spars yeah. in different gyms in Panama. So I had and uh, I've got a used hit. Mm -hmm. Not you probably but better than what it was in the first uh, one. Yeah. The first one there, that was the first one. That I thought, oh, oh people <laughs> <laughs> see that's when we started watching. But I went on and I, I believe I won. So, yeah. it, did, so it was only four rounders. So it was a four rounder, and uh, I think I won comfortable enough. So I did. Barney's would say to me, says, Ian, don't worry about that. I could, uh, yeah, it's one the of reason, I, kinda, I think the reason they'd done it and that out there anyway was to get the rematch back home. Right, okay. These guys, at that time, uh, if I can remember, the whole of Wiener and Panama, the whole government had gone bust. Oh, okay. So I had it and it was an extremely poor company. Yeah. So it was, nobody had any money. Uh, and this would have been if the guy had got a rematch back home or something that would have been a, a few quid a luxury for yeah. him a luxury for him you know and travelling away and whatever you know but 
I don't know. It never happened. The rematch never happened. Though. Never happened. So I didn't. So it uh, just was a learning experience yeah. for me too. It was great. Three weeks of sparring. Yeah, again, just that Barney's with connections. Connections there, there, there and uh, we met Roberto Duran's manager and uh, Pedroza's manager, yeah. uh, and he was big pals with Barney's with yeah. the company and all that. There, so it was great. Yeah. Great experience. So it was. I think all together when I was looking, you maybe had eight fights with Barney. Uh, maybe was it eight? I think it was eight all together. I think it was eight. Well, it could yeah. be wrong. I was just going by looking at some of the seven or eight. Yeah, seven or eight. Yeah, seven eight. Eight. So it was. What was the reason behind you then well, eventually leaving Barney? When uh, I I'd spent them years there and I damaged both my hands, so that. And I don't, as I said, I don't eat fights. Uh, I was young, twenty one year, twenty near twenty one years of age, and I, I was kind of going through that wee stage where I was, I was going out in town and I was going out in my own town and kind of enjoying myself. And I was coming in and thinking to myself, my mates were earning a wage, mm-hmm. and I had nothing at that stage. Is that right? I was really, I really had had nothing and. It was costing me money to go up and train in Belfast. Yeah. And it was in I was in borrowing money off my parents and things like that. So I got at the stage where I thought I said, Do I really want to do this career anymore? Do I want to box? And I was going through that for about six months. I says, uh, I was kinda of enjoying it. Maybe if I get a job, uh get an ordinary job and try and box. It just wasn't happening, yeah. so it wasn't and then to say that then I got the news from Barry Hearn that he had wanted me. So Alright, so you'd heard that he was, I he was had, I had, looking? I was looking at my, and uh, I had an uncle who owned a bar in London who'd been talking, I think it was Freddie Keane, and that there, and it, it got out that uh, my contract was coming to the end. So it was, and uh, so I had about six months out, and then the next thing I got the news from Barry Hearn that he'd wanted me, and he sent uh, plane tickets over to come over. Right? So he, did, he, was, he was young at that time, or yeah. he was new to the sport at that yeah. time, and he was ambitious and he wanted anybody like that was doing had, had a good pedigree and yeah because um, he obviously he started off the snooker was the first thing he stayed DS there. and stuff but then I suppose Eubank would have been coming to the late 80s so. coming in there and then uh, I came out, I landed over to London my brother Patrick was with me at that time oh, right. so he was uh, he was going to make his professional debut so he was excited we were very excited oh, right. I remember getting picked up in the limousine and thought, right. Oh, jeez, you've made it. Right, this is that. <laughs> I want you to pay me this is This is what it's all about. Now, I'm going back and looking back at East Coast and thinking to myself, you had to get your own way and you made your own meals and you done it right. And then the guy picked us up in the limousine and I said, can I ring home in this? It's a fire. It's a novelty. This is an exciting thing. And so he says, I go ahead and uh, rung home. I said, Dad, we're picked up in the limousine here at Heathrow, whatever, blah. Says, oh, I see, there you go now. And then he dropped us off at the house, and I go, Are we staying here? Or it was just an ordinary. Just, ah, you were thinking you'd turn up the next penthouse somewhere? <laughs> it was a cap, so it was. <laughs> I really was. Well, I was a bit of a, not a cap, but it was just no, but I, basics. Yeah. So it was in uh, your bed in one room, and that's not there. And I remember getting up that. I went in and seen Barney, or Barry Hearn that day. So that, and we then and that was one of the things when I left Barney East was he didn't want want me to go. I was about to say that that was it. I mean, how was Barney? No, he, he wasn't happy with me no. going. He was trying to get me. A, I think it was an Irish title fight. Uh, at that time, I can't remember who yeah. it was against. If I'd have got that and won it, then he would have, he would have had you tied right. to another contract because right. that comes with that. Of course. To the and an extension of your contract. I don't know how. Long. And was was Barney your manager and your trainer, or just your trainer? Uh 
Or sorry, or sorry, he was your manager and promoter. Sorry, uh, he, he was, was yeah. at that time. So it was the management so, contract uh, you were in. Management with him, yeah. so it was, and uh, it was a three-year contract, and it just it was coming to the yeah. end. It hadn't really come to the end. It was coming to the end, so I was moving on. It was maybe a week, a month left, and it sort of was, and uh, and I damaged my hands, and it just there was a couple of things just weren't going right, and being at home and having to travel to Belfast, and train and then come down home again and there was no, there was no money at all no. really there and my family were supporting me a bit so they were and they had nothing either so they hadn't so I thought well I need to change I need to do something here so I do so got in contact or Barney or Barney Hearn got in contact and we went there so we did and uh, I did not saying it was he didn't it wasn't aggressive but we didn't, it just wasn't we didn't leave in great yeah, terms yeah. at that time but I'll tell you in the story later on. I met him in a hotel there about four or five years before he passed away. Okay. Born Eastwood. And it was great. Okay, that's brilliant. Because I'm with uh, Eamon, how are you? And and the, the conversation was just great. It was a lovely That's, that's nice you have that, you know. And I said, thank you for the three years. Because I look back, even though I didn't earn anything with yeah. him, I look back and I, I got... You learned so much in other ways. In every way. And even in life life experience being with all these guys a young lad and learning at them all everything I learned I learned there so that it was great so I do I thank them for that yeah. I said, thank you for everything that you've done for me and the, the, the foundations to go on and become a great you know because that's where it was that's where the foundations were and it was a it was a great moment and as I said I, both my managers I had Barney Eastwood was my manager and Barry Hearn was my manager for eight years as a professional altogether, I had confrontations, rows, dig hands with both of them. So well, I had, you get your mainly with Barry Hearn, but because uh, over money, persons, yeah, just everything yeah. in general. I'm not taking that. If you don't stick off yourself, if you don't, you don't ask for things, same you know. as your father. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. My dad maybe didn't do that enough. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't. I was a bit shy with Barney Eastwood, but yeah. I learned it. I said, I'm not going to be that way here. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, because uh, this guy was more. You could have had a conversation with him. And uh, but I made up with both my managers, and uh, and I always thanked them for you know their part and my part, and it was a great. Uh, it's it's kind of like working together and the combination of coming together, uh, you know it's 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 fantastic. So it is, yeah. and that's why I'm I'm, I'm I, I don't run about as in uh, 35, 45 and fifty five and say oh I hate it, I'm no, better. That's great, yeah. I have a great saying myself, have Barney, or Barry Hearn, who's alive today, as you said, I've done a podcast Well, when I listened to that, I, I thought it was so great. lovely, because you could oh, just hear how much he thought of you. He thought of me, you know, and as I was the same with him, I think a lot of him too, and he, uh, I am what I am today because of these men. I know, it's great. These men, you know. Tell so. us a wee story, because um, it was all that, I thought it was great, when you fought in Spain, um, and you went to the casino with That's Barry Hearn, I thought that was very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the one where, uh, it was my first fight, and I fought this guy called, uh, I was my first fight with him, trained hard, done everything right. He says, you'll find this man. I fought a guy called Paris Johnson. So it was uh, American, he was top class amateur. He had over 300 amateur contests. Really? Only lost half a dozen of them. So he did, maybe a dozen, 10, he'd lost about 10 times. And I came out, and I came out, I'm not sure, Barry didn't do my corner that night. Freddie came down my corner, so he did, and Jason, and, I remember they said to me, this guy had boxed in England before, uh, but after three or four rounds, he's gone. 
Right. Yes. And they kept telling me this. I thought it was came out the first round. I never got a glove on him. Really? I thought he was on with Sugar Ray Leonard. He was jabbing there. And I come out into the after round and I come back and he dropped me in the first round and he switched right? to a southpaw and he threw a left or right uppercut so he did. Caught you off balance. Just caught me yeah. off balance, coming in, rushing in to try and get, get the shots on him. And they caught me a Craiger shot. Nothing hard, but I thought, cheers. No. These guys have set me up here. <laughs> <laughs> I go back and forth each They set me up. And Freddie just kept saying, he said, you work your job and work the body. Keep your patience. Don't be rushing him too much. Cut him off. He's giving me the instructions. Which is right. And I could feel it into the third. I think it was the fourth round. I stopped him at. Right. So they were right about yeah. They were right about him. So he was. But for two rounds, yeah, I, it was, I, was, I thought, this is Sugar Ray Leonard here. Yeah. <laughs> it was so talented, so he was. But I'd seen him the night before too, which helped. He had been coming down the thing on the scales too. Uh, and you said to him, oh, he's struggling with the weight. <laughs> You're making the weight here. So yeah, I, I, I don't like I said anything. No, 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 And he was six foot, if I can remember, and he had long had hair, a coloured guy, and the hair was up here, made him an extra... And he wore bu- boxing boots with him. I thought, this guy's... Six of six. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what size, and he fighting this big tall guy, and he could move, and he could box too. And uh, and then after the fight was over, we went back to the hotel, and we had, we had a great meal, so we had. And Barry, Hearn says to me, he says, Eamon, I want a bit of luck there this year. Let's go and play this. I'd never got it. it. Or the let it was... So it was, and whatever, I, he'd give me this handful of chips and him a handful of chips, and I put it on the same number. I think it was 21, so it was three times it come up. Is that right? You were lucky. First trouble. time it come up. The so these are his chips, so you're, you're betting with his money. With his chips. Yeah. Uh, it's always easier when someone has his money. And the adrenaline was going on. Oh, I was well. like, this is, this is unbelievable. Well, he right? says in the in that <laughs> podcast, he says he was getting so much enjoyment watching you <laughs> sort of betting his money. I was loving it. So it was because I was thinking to myself, I've won my fight here. I've had a brilliant meal. I'm starting to spin and I'm playing and I'm winning again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, I'd won three times and I thought, right, let's go, let's go again. I want to go again. Mm-hmm. And he'd put his arm around me and he says, no, this is where we go. <laughs> That's a business man. That's him going, quick while we're ahead. While we're ahead, quick while we're ahead. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm not quitting the winning. No. He said, no, no, no. And he pushed me, pulled me away. I got there. And uh, I says, that's oh, okay. And I thought myself reaching the chips back. And he, he says, no, you hold on to them. I'm going to catch them in. So he did. And I says, so I went and cashed him in, and I think it was about a thousand pounds. I mean, that's fantastic. So the fact that he gave you that money to you, know, he didn't have to do that. I get paid, am I? Is that me getting paid or what? Is this, is this <laughs> my fight person? <laughs> is this and he says, I call in and see me on Monday morning. And uh, that was great. That was yeah. great. great. That's great. That's a lovely way to start, you know. It was a great story. So it was, and he says, you're fighting in six weeks' time, or Christmas, I think it was before Christmas. Yeah. I think it was a week before Christmas. I says, dear. I'm stuck in London. Mm-hmm. This is my first time in London. And I, I was there from August, before August, so right through to Christmas. Yeah. So it was, and uh, and it was day at Angela at that time, so it was. So there was a great sacrifice. Oh God, made, yeah. Not just by me, but by Angela too. And that there, so it was. But another one was very lucky. I think it was just within a year, within the first year, just straight outside my front door, there was a phone box that there was. Right. Uh, paid for. Yeah. You put the money on it. So yeah. No, no WhatsApps no, or, or video calls <laughs> no, no, back then. In the end days, and I remember going out so I did, and this is just within a couple of months, uh, and I put the money on the phone so I did 50p 
and it failed to do the accumulate all the rent and there was 50p credit on it mm -hmm. and I put the money in again it was a pound credit and it, so for the next three or four years I told nobody about this this is a wee trick here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had got three phone calls at home. I was it's ringing right. my mum and dad and ringing everybody. So it was great. That really? gave me somebody, you know, they talked to you at night. You know, I was lonely and I was bored yeah. and things like that there. And That's it. It must be hard when you're over in another country. You're, you're, over, you know, you were you're training a couple of hours a day. There's, there's 24 hours in a day. You yeah, know, there. And you're just, you're walking around the house with boxers and that there. And you, you're making those sacrifices. It's, it's a big... But it was the making of me too, so it was because when I had been at home, even though I would have trained at home, and it was an Easter's gym, but come the weekends, I'd have went out. So it was it, yeah. like a Friday night or something, yeah. and my mates would have called to the door and said, yeah, sure, come in, get back home for 10 o'clock or whatever, mm -hmm. or a Saturday night. And, you know, you're 18, 19 years old, your father can't tie you down. So you, can't, you know, and they're maybe out of the house or whatever, away somewhere. So the way you want, and at the 10 o'clock turned into 1 o'clock. Yeah. So it did, and... So when you were over there at the weekends, you were no. So you know me at sort of go out and you know me at stay away, and I just started as I, I that was one of the things I started as I was says I was going to go on and never was going to go out. I was never going to uh, socialize or drink or anything. I You're there for business. There That's, for, yeah. I was there to work. Yeah. So was and just to do what I had to do, and I'm going to be here, and I want I, I, that wee six months away between leaving Barney's was and the hard work there I said to myself I'm not going to waste all that I'm going to do the sex same thing here but I'm also got the opportunity because I've, I've got no mates to go out with I've got mm -hmm. no friends really within this and nobody knows me so there's no point of going out no. so I didn't go out then so I didn't and I just kind of went to the pictures or something like that and, out for a walk or something maybe went to Freddie Keane's house in a summer and would you, would you have come back home sort of in between fights oh, like I, say if you, I, I, so, yeah. not as often as you could do yeah. nowadays because in those days it was a couple of hundred pound to fly uh, back home it was no easy jet or any you know. two flights a day I think British Midland and oh, right. another one and I went from Heathrow Rose so you were a couple of hours getting home Yeah, you know maybe three hours maybe at the time you, and so I didn't re you know if I went in August I'd have been home for Christmas yeah Back over in January again, and maybe stay to April. Right. You know, those are the sort of stunts. So that's the end of part one, everyone. Um, in the next section, we're going to delve into the championship fights that Eamon had in his career, and um, all those successes that obviously uh, I mentioned at the start of the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, everyone, and stay tuned um, over the next week or two uh, for part two. Thank you.